You're listening to Ocean Currents, a podcast brought to you by NOAA's Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary. This radio program was originally broadcast on KWMR in Point Reyes Station, California. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Ocean Currents on KWMR. Happy New Year to all the listeners of KWMR. I hope you're all well-rested and are ready to dig into a productive new decade. You're listening to Ocean Currents, a show where we delve into the blue part of our planet and talk about all things related to the ocean. My name is Jennifer Stock, and I host this program live on KWMR the first Monday of every month. Welcome back to Ocean Currents. This is a modified show. Ricky Ott is not with us this afternoon, and uh, we'll hopefully we'll be able to reschedule her for a future show. But I was able to find Rebecca Johnson from the Gulf of the Farallons National Marine Sanctuary, and she's joining us on the air live from the Cal Academy. Thanks so much for being a pinch hitter here to give us some live information about some things happening on the coast here. Rebecca Johnson is with the California Academy of Sciences in San Francisco and the Gulf of the Farallons National Marine Sanctuary and oversees a really neat program that is between the sanctuary and the Cal Academy. Um, One of the most amazing habitats along our coastline here, as many of you know, is this incredible rocky intertidal area up and down the coast. So, Rebecca, can you give us a little bit of background about the program you are leading, both with the California Academy and the Gulf of the Farallons? Sure. Um, I coordinate a partnership between the Academy of Sciences and the Gulf of the Farallons National Marine Sanctuary. And what we do is we train Academy um, volunteers and other community volunteers to work as roving docents out at Duxbury Reef in Bolinas and also work on the museum floor at the Academy of Sciences, talking to visitors here um, in our discovery tide pool about tide pool life. So is it featured just at uh, Duxbury Reef, or do you go out to Fitzgerald Marine Reserve as well? Um, For now, this is the beginning of the project, and for now we just work up at Duxbury. Um, But the idea is that our partnership will eventually expand to other places. They do have an excellent... um, volunteer naturalist program at the Fitzgerald Marine Reserve that's run by the Friends of the Fitzgerald Marine Reserve, but that's separate from our partnership. Now, what are the docents doing at Duxbury Reef? Um, Well, right now, we have one small group, of an inaugural group of docents. We have five hardy volunteers, and we we do a few different things. We go out and um, at glow tides, usually on the weekends or times that we think most um, visitors might come to the reef, and talk to visitors about um, intertidal invertebrates, animals, and um, algae, and natural history. And there aren't, we don't do guided tours or anything like that, but we just talk to people about the habitat and about the animals that they might see. And we also talk to them about how to treat the intertidal 
well, like some tide pool etiquette, um, things like not to, if you do turn over rocks, to put them back the way you found them and where to step to avoid um, injuring algae and animals. So that's one of the things we do. And we also do some research monitoring. We assist with a larger research project that's going out on out at the reef. And so once a month we go out and we take pictures of plots on the reef of the algae and the plants and animals. And um, we kind of make a record so we know what each square, the same square every month, what it looks like through time. Um, and in addition to that, we also count visitors, and we try to figure out where people go when they visit the reef. Um, our, the idea is to kind of see if we can measure an impact from where more people walk or trample or um, spend time on the reef. Interesting. So what does the training entail, and is there an application process for volunteers to apply for this? Um, well, the training um, starts actually on March 1st of this year, and we meet once a week. Um, on Monday evenings from 6 to 8. So it will run from March 1st to April 26th. And um, we'll meet at the Academy of Sciences and also at the Gulf of the Farallons um, offices down at Chrissy Field in San Francisco. And during those meetings, we'll learn about intertidal life and natural history and um, some interpretation techniques, how to talk to visitors, and also some research techniques. And um, Right now, there's no formal application process aside from just contacting me. Um, and the best way to contact me is, um, well, the best way for this program is to just send me an email at just rockyshore.calacademy.org, which is really easy. Um, and I wish yeah. I had an email like that. I, I have a special email just for the pro project, so I can keep it separate from my regular email. That's great. Um, it's very nice. If people have um, questions, though, even if you don't want to sign up directly, they're welcome to send an email to that email, and I can answer any questions. Is the data used by the Cal Academy and the Sanctuary? Is that some of the goals between the Sanctuary and the Cal Academy to use it? Um, well, right now the, the data is actually used um, as part of well, the money that funds this project um, is part of restoration of some restoration dollars. Um, after there was, there was a small oil, well, an oil spill in 1996 in San Francisco Bay, and oil from that spill was found on Duxbury Reef. So this project is all, is actually funded by some restoration money. Um, so the money is used to help. The data is used to help understand um, how, with increased education, to see if we can kind of improve the health of the reef. So that's what the data is used for. Wow, that's interesting. Now, as part of this docenting effort out at the reef, do docents also spend time at the Cal Academy? They do. So the commitment once um, volunteers complete the training program is to volunteer once a month for a year, either at Duxbury Reef, working with the public or doing research monitoring, or working at the academy on the public floor and talking with people you know, at the academy here, we have a small um, discovery tide pool that has um, starfish and sea urchins and some other invertebrates in the tank, and visitors can touch and learn about the animals there. So one of the options that these volunteers would have would be to work in that exhibit. That's neat. Are you finding that some of the volunteers are really enjoying having both, both the in-the-field experience and then being able to talk to visitors inside? I think they are, you know, one of the ideas of the, the original ideas for this program was to take academy docents that already work in the museum and give them a kind of field experience because they might not have that here. 
And so one of our volunteers in particular has been a docent here for a while, and I think he really enjoys the ability or the opportunity to talk to people in the field and to see the animals he's talking about in the museum, to see them in their actual habitat, and to kind of make connections for the visitors between the animals that they see in the exhibits at the Academy and our, our National Marine Sanctuaries. Because many people, even local San Franciscans or Californians that visit the Academy of Sciences don't realize that their National Marine Sanctuaries are right here off our coast. And so I think they really enjoy being able to make those connections. That is so exciting. I think this is such a cool program. And it's really fun. So it's great to be in the museum and also in the field. It's a nice compliment. That's neat. Now, here's a question. I'm not sure if we can get into this too much now, but um, you mentioned the oil impact. But, you know, with climate change here on the horizon, and I'm sure that you're all making plans for how are the habitats going to adapt, what are some of the thoughts of how rocky intertidal habitat will change over the future with sea level rise? Do you have any ideas? Well, there is um, many people are doing rocky intertidal monitoring which is just looking at the intertidal on a regular basis at the animals and at the algae, um, just kind of taking snapshots so that we can see if there is a change. So we have some data with which to measure that change. Um, And so one of the sanctuary programs, aside from the work that that my group does, um, it's a a program called Limpets, and this is a high school monitoring program where high school students, and there's actually a group of students from the Branson School that goes out to Duxbury Reef, and they do the same project up and down the California coast. Um, And they do count invertebrates and algae um, in a way that will allow them to see if animals or algae are moving up in the intertidal. It's kind of changing their zone. Mm -hmm. One of the predictions is that with climate change and with sea level rise, um, that animals will move either lower down, so they're covered with water more often, mm-hmm. or higher up because the the water will be higher. So they they kind of look at those changes through time. Interesting. Um, so there is there's some thought that just the changes in zonation would be one of the um, results of climate change, but in, and that would be mostly because of um, sea level change or temperature change. Mm-hmm. But there also are range shifts where animals would move further north um, to kind of avoid, keep keep to the temperatures that they would prefer. Right, right. Um, and there is some evidence of that. I mean, there actually is a species of nudibranch that um, into the late 80s, its northern range limit was um, Pillar Point down in Half Moon Bay, and now its northern range limit is Duxbury Reef in Blaine. Wow. So it's actually moved north. Um, so just being able to count things and take pictures and kind of take some baseline data allows us to better um, catch any changes. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, very good. So we've got the Rocky Intertidal Docent uh, Naturalist Training Course through the California Academy of Sciences and the Gulf of the Farallones National Marine Sanctuary. And for those of you interested in learning more about this program, you can email Rebecca at rockyshores at calacademy.org. Uh, the training course is free and starts March 1st, goes through April 26th, and is about eight weeks. They meet on Monday evenings, 6 to 8 p.m. What a great way to get some time into the Cal Academy of Sciences, too. I'm sure they don't boot you out on the spot, do they? Well, it depends on when we start. They might boot you out because we would be closed at that time. But, oh. <laughs> um, 
there would be time when we could meet potentially separately and visit the academy. Get some and time. Once, and you'd have to be trained to um, work in the tide pool exhibit. So as a volunteer at the academy, you get to be here on the public floor. That's exciting. As often as you're willing to volunteer. So. Cool. Well, Rebecca, thanks so much for being able to do a quick interview at the last minute. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you. It was a great opportunity. I'm glad I was around. Yeah, and I'm hoping to get out to the reef myself and and get to participate. So thanks again for your time. All right. Thanks, Jennifer. All right. Bye. We were just talking with Rebecca Johnson, who is doing a really neat program between the California Academy of Sciences and the Gulf of the Farallons National Marine Sanctuary. Great volunteer opportunity for the new year. If those of you had New Year's resolutions to get more involved and share your passion for the outdoors, this is a wonderful way to do it with a great broad audience of visitors to Duxbury Reef and the California Academy of Sciences. So for more information, you can email Rebecca again at rockyshores at calacademy.org to get more involved in this Rocky Intertidal Monitoring Program. For those tuning in, this is Ocean Currents, and my name is Jennifer Stuck. Originally, we had scheduled Ricky Ott, an author and marine biologist from Alaska, to be on the show today. But unfortunately, um, she was not able to tune in by telephone. Something may have called her away at the last minute, and I'm so sorry for that. See if I can bring anybody else on the phone, and we'll find some other things to talk about for the rest of the hour. We've had a modified show today with uh, um, our guest not on, able to join us at the last minute. But on the phone here, I have Paula Boulet from Spawn, the Salmon Protection Network. And we are going to hear a little bit about what's happening with salmon right now. Welcome, Paula. You're live on the air. Hi, Jenny. Thank you. Thanks for letting me put you on the air on the last minute spot here. We have just a few minutes. But I wanted to hear... How are the salmon runs going on this year? We haven't had a strong rain, but I'm wondering if there's some areas where they've been spotted. Absolutely. We had a couple of good rains, um, one just in mid-December, and we had our first um, pulse of coho spawning in the watershed. So we've had about what we have documented as 44 reds or, or nests. And about 60 fish have been observed. So we, the viewing has been pretty good over the past couple of weeks. And our naturalists have been out on the creek and our monitors have been out and uh, just keeping an eye on what's going on. And the viewing has been great, but unfortunately what the returns haven't been that good compared to previous years. So we've had, like I mentioned, 44 reds or nests documented and that's just a little over 10% of what we had three years ago when the parents of these fish came back to spawn. So we still have quite a long way to go um, to make up for the, the numbers. Um, and we're really optimistically, we're waiting for more rain and hoping that the next few good storms will bring more fish up to sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there places that people can just stop by when they're driving through Samuel P. Taylor Park? Absolutely, yeah. There's a couple of good spots. One is the Leo Cronin Viewing Area, which is the MMWD parking area um, up near where San Geronimo and Lagunitas Creek come together. Mm -hmm. The other good spot is in Samuel P. Taylor State Park, um, which anyone can visit. There's a parking area you drive into at Camp Headquarters. 
and there's been some great spawning activity there. And even people have seen otters, and there have been American dippers, so really good viewing. Um, and so those are the two main areas to go right now, and uh, they're good, safe areas too. You can look down from the creek and observe spawning without disturbing fish too much, and uh, it's always beautiful things to see. Yeah, while the weather's while the weather's holding on, it's probably a nice time to visit out there. Plus, yeah, seeing all the other wildlife that happened to be around. Exactly, and and our naturalists are still going out every weekend, twice a day, every Saturday, Sunday through the end of January, taking people out to see all these different things that are going on. So we welcome people to join. How do people join on those naturalist walks? The easiest thing to do is go to our webpage, which is spawnusa.org, and we have an online registration um, system, so it's very easy. But you can also call us at 663-8590, and we can uh, get you started. Awesome. Yeah. Well, great. Well, I'm just about out of time here, but I just wanted to hear a quick update on if the salmon were around and, you know, these days with everything changing so rapidly, it's yeah. nothing's not normal anymore. So it's nice to hear at least there's a little something that we Absolutely. can hold some hope on to. Absolutely. Well, yeah, good and, luck. And just to mention, steelhead should be coming in soon, too. So there'll be more to see in the weeks ahead. Excellent. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll try to get you on a future show so we can hear some more of the updates of what's happening. But thanks so much for joining us at the last minute. It's a pleasure. All right. Take care. All right. You've listened today to Ocean Currents, and my name is Jennifer Stock. I'm so sorry we weren't able to bring you the full interview with Ricky Ott, the author of Not One Drop and also a marine biologist based out of Cordova, Alaska. I hope to bring her back in a future show to really talk about this Exxon Valdez oil spill. It was quite a traumatic event and has really left many decades of of suffering, and we've learned a lot to prepare for future spills. So I'd really love to bring her back in the future. So apologies there, but I hope you have a happy new year. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting KWMR Community Radio. This is Jennifer Stock, and I'll be back next month. Take care. Thanks for listening to Ocean Currents. This show is brought to you by NOAA's Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary on West Marin Community Radio KWMR. Views expressed by guests on this program may or may not be that of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and are meant to be educational in nature. To learn more about Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary, go to cordellbank.noaa.gov. 